the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. You better believe it is. Always Right Radio. Online at alwaysright.us. Welcome to this Tuesday edition. It's eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we're underway. It is the 24th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us today. We've got a lot of very important things to talk about, as we do every day. I start every show by saying that, but it's always very, very true. We have a lot of very important things that we have to get through today. One of the guys who's going to help us get through it is Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow will be joining me at 1010 this morning, as he does each and every Tuesday. I know you look forward to that. It's probably as much of a highlight for your week as it is for mine. Eh, maybe not. I think I enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, but Peter Kersenow will be with us, and he's going to focus on a number of things, including our lead story, which we will get to very shortly, uh, having to do with President Joe Biden praising record high gas prices. Praising them. Not lamenting them. Praising them as a necessary transition to all electric vehicles. He's loving it. Even though it's going to harm him politically, his agenda and the agenda of his predecessor, Barack Obama, 
the agenda of the green nuts, the uh, sometimes called gang green movement, the agenda of the globalists, his agenda, or their agenda rather, is bigger than his own political ambition. He's president. Is he going to run for a second term? I don't know. But I can tell you this. By literally celebrating and praising the record high gas prices that are crippling Americans as being a necessary transition away from fossil fuels, he is going to destroy his own chances of having, and if he if he did have any designs on it at all, of ever uh, winning a second term. So we're going to talk to Peter Kirsch now about that. We're also going to talk to Pete about the continued racial division being advanced by leftists and academia. This is an incredible story. Pete actually had to write a letter to two universities uh, to tell them, hey, you can't do this. As a member of the Civil Rights Commission, Pete wrote that letter basically saying you can't do this. What is this? Holding separate graduations by race. By literally holding a separate graduation ceremony for virtually every protected class, otherwise known as marginalized groups, um, except, of course, for white males. At Cal Polytech in uh, California, obviously, Cal California Polytechnic, Pete wrote a letter to them telling them that there are nine separate graduations for black Latinx, Chicanx, Jewish, disabled, Asian, among others, that their nine separate graduations are illegal. They are a violation of federal law. That Title VI in federal law in the Civil Rights Act provides that no person in the United States shall, on the ground of race, color, or national origin, be excluded from participation in be denied the benefits of or be subject to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal financial assistance, like these universities. But they're holding a different graduation for virtually everybody except for white people. You just get lumped in together, uh, but we're holding these separate ones. And then there's a university called Oakton in Chicago, or outside of Chicago, that have gone beyond segregated graduations. They have a segregated college an academic program for black men only. A community designed for black male identifying students to be led by dedicated black faculty and staff. Self-segregation. The type of which, if it had happened pre-Civil Rights Act, and even post-Civil Rights Act, honestly, uh, and, and if it were forced the other direction, if white university faculty, or rather white university administration proposed to separate all black faculty members and black students, particularly all just black men, and you've got your own over there, separate but equal, just like the the drinking fountains, right? Just like the restrooms, just like the lunch counters, separate but equal. Everybody has to go, go your own separate way. If you're black, you're over there. If you're white, you're over here. What would happen? But now in 2022, it's being done by choice by the racist uh, racial minority. I guess I could say the racist minority. It is racist. It is completely racist, and it is completely divisive, and it is a result of, well, uh, woke America. It's woke 2022. 
So Curse and I is going to weigh in on all of that coming up at 1010 this morning. So we've got a lot to do. Pete is our only guest scheduled right now. There is another one that is in the works. It is not being, it has not been confirmed yet. I will let you know if it is. But beyond Pete, we are wide open for your phone calls at 216-901-0945. That includes this hour. And triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Pete will be with us from ten to almost eleven, so uh you'll have all of this hour and all of the eleven o'clock hour for phone calls. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and don't forget to sound off on alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. Click the sound off button in the right hand side of the page and make sure to record your message for the show. We will play it and we will respond to it. Now I would ask you to stand if you are a patriot, and if you are a listener of this show on any regular basis whatsoever, you are a patriot. Uh, go ahead and face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our pledge. If you're driving, you may, of course, you know, be exempted from standing. But go ahead and put your hand on your heart anyway. I think you can handle the wheel for about 40 seconds uh, or maybe even less with one hand. If you are a believer in high gas prices being necessary to transition to all electric like the President of the United States, then you aren't a believer in what that flag stands for anyway. You are a believer in socialist, communist government harming the people for their own political ambitions. And you are thus exempted from your pledge of allegiance to our flag. If you'd rather, go ahead and take a knee, just like your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So if you think I was being a little bit melodramatic when I described what uh, Brandon is doing now, praising the high gas prices, well, then I would simply ask you to, um, you know, don't let your own lying ears deceive you. This is Joe Biden yesterday, gushing almost, that the pain we are all feeling at the pump at 460 a gallon on average nationally. I think the... Number I see most often driving around the last couple of days has been about 449, right? Uh, the uh, savings clubs, the Costco's, the Sam's Club, maybe a dime or two cheaper. I think uh, 431 might be. Uh, might be the number at Sam's Club. That's where I've got my membership. Let me uh, let me just uh, access Gas Buddy here real quick and see if it shows. Sometimes I get. Uh, Sometimes I get good luck in here on here, and sometimes I don't. Four thirty nine, four forty nine, four forty nine, four thirty. Oh wow, four thirty. That's a bargain. How about that? See, and this is what they do, by the way. As I look at these, and 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 I think about my own reactions to them. Sam's is four twenty six, so four twenty six. So a little, like I said, a couple dimes cheaper for for uh, for right now. But you know, you look at these and you see the four forty nine, four thirty, four forty five, four forty six, four forty seven. You know, four forty. And it's you get down to the four twenties, and you start going, "Oh my gosh, bargain, bargain, bargain! Get there, get there, get there!" Do you see what they've done? Do you see how we've been conditioned? The moment gas drops down under four, it'll be three ninety six, and we'll be celebrating like, "Yeah, good times are here again!" Thank goodness the crisis is over. We're out of the fours, and we'll still be getting ripped off, robbed, monumentally burglarized. It's still criminal. 
And oh, by the way, don't anticipate that getting out of the fours and down into the threes anytime soon. According to AAA and according to J.P. Morgan, we are much more likely to go the other direction, from the fours into the fives and perhaps touching into the low $6 a gallon range by the end of this summer. We're much more likely to go north than south when it comes to the prices. But it is kind of funny how, you know, we get, we get conditioned. It's like there's, there's a psychology involved here that they're using. I'm sitting here looking at my gas, looking at my gas buddy app on live radio and seeing 449, 449, 430. Hey, 430. Look at that. That's not bad. 430. 439, 449. Oh my, look at Sam's Club's 426. And woo! As if it's a, you know, as if it's a deal. It's not a deal. It is still extraordinarily dangerous. It's damaging to our economy. It's damaging to our own personal uh, uh, budgets. But we celebrate it when it's at 426. All of this to remind you uh, of exactly what the goal here is. Joe Biden said before he even became president that he was going to do this. Do you remember when he said he was going to destroy the fossil fuel industry? Do you remember when he said no more oil drilling at all? On federal lands, no more leases to drill, no leases to frack for natural gas, no more, no more fossil fuels at all. Coal-fired power plants, he said. We're getting rid of all of those. You remember this? When it comes to the gas prices, uh, uh, when one. it comes to wrong one, wrong one, wrong one. That's the most recent one. My apologies. Let me give you the uh, the the uh, pre pre President Biden promises. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking? In the Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping the pipeline infrastructure? No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. That was the pledge. That was the promise of a doddering, stumbling, mumbling, bumbling, confused old man. That was the pledge prior to becoming president. Now that he is president, you give him credit for this. He was true to his word. He is indeed canceling leases. He is indeed ending fracking. He is indeed trying to kill the coal industry. And he is indeed artificially raising gas prices in an effort to force us to transition to all electric vehicles, in a way to force us into abandoning and destroying the fossil fuel industry. Now, again, don't let your lying ears deceive you. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. That wasn't pre-President Biden. That was President Biden yesterday in Japan. He was meeting with the Prime Minister of Japan. 
He described what we are all suffering through right now in the United States not as terrible, but as incredible. Not as awful, but incredible. Not as destructive, but it's an incredible transition. Not painful, but an incredible transition. That, God willing, will make us less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. Exactly what his promise was before becoming president, now delivering as president. Give him credit for doing what he said he would do, at least when it comes to killing the energy industry in the United States. Harming the American economy, harming the American family, particularly the middle to lower middle class, who have no ability to pay for this kind of this kind of cost for gas to get to work to get to school to get to here to get to there doesn't matter he said he was going to kill fossil fuels now he's killing fossil fuels and apparently enjoying it as he does when it comes to the gas prices uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing when it's over will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less relying on fossil fuels when this is over It's incredible. It's incredible, he said. Incredible transition to be less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. Only after acknowledging how incredible this is did he pay some lip service to people who have found themselves spending thousands of extra dollars on on fuel. Only after, perhaps maybe with somebody in his ear telling him, dude, do you know how that sounded? Did he say the price of gas at the pump is something that I told you would be a matter of great discussion at my kitchen table when I was a kid growing up? It is affecting a lot of families. Oh, gee, hey, thanks, Joe. Thanks for, of course, making it all about you, number one. And number two, um, we already know how you feel. You told us how how you feel. It's incredible, and it's something that will make us less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over which is nothing but appeasement of gangrene, nothing but appeasement of the, the Green New Deal climate alarmists. And, of course, never mind the fact that just like with everything else, you don't have the science behind it with you. Science is not on your side here if you think this is going to help the planet. Crush American economies, crush American budgets, crush America's uh, um, ability to, to move and to travel crush American energy in order to substitute solar and wind and electric car batteries, and you don't even have the science, because just as much damage will be done to the earth with all of those is is being done now by fracking and drilling for oil and mining for coal. Just as much. But he's enjoying it, and I want you to know that. He wants you to know that. This is an incredible transition, he said. Rather than a horrible, terrible thing for all of us that we are working very, very hard to minimize, it's an incredible transition that will make us less reliant on fossil fuels when it's over. It's remarkable. I'm going to ask uh, Democrats if there are Democrats listening. How do you feel about that? Can you defend what you're hearing from your guy right now? Can you defend... His celebration of the crushing of American uh, bank accounts by forcing us to spend thousands of dollars more on gas costs? Can you defend that? I'd love to hear from you. 216-901-0945. Right back on Always Right Radio. 
Texas Republican congressional candidate Wesley Hunt, I think some, uh, summarized it nicely. Allow me to translate this, he said. The Biden administration is prepared to let your family suffer economically to advance their climate agenda. It's a transition, all right, a transition into poverty. This is socialism. I don't know if I can make it any more plain. I don't think I could say it any better than Wesley Hunt did. Steve Malloy of Fox News had another uh, way to say it. Translation, I am intentionally forcing up fossil prices and inflation to advance my twisted climate agenda. That's not bad. A radio host in Boston said, keep this in mind next time you fill up. This is what they want. The pain is the point. The beatings will continue until all intransigent rabble comply. Shut up and trade your F-150 for a Prius. That's not, that's not wrong either. I'll give you one more from Steve Scalise, House Minority Whip from Louisiana. Biden refers to the skyrocketing, skyrocketing gas prices as an incredible transition. They're saying the quiet part out loud now. They're causing you pain at the pump because it's all part of their radical agenda. Every one of those statements is accurate. Every one of them. And the question is, is well, when can you defend this? Can you defend this? How do you defend this? How do you still express support for President Brandon? Is there anything that can be said now to salvage or save this man and and your support of him? If I was one of the people who cast a vote for Joe Biden in 2020 and and I'm looking at where we are now at 2022, literally every single economic indicator, except for unemployment, is far, 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 far worse than it was when he took office. I want to hear you justified if you're a voter for the Biden uh, administration. I want to hear you justified. I want to hear you support. I want to hear that you don't apologize for that vote, that all of the suffering that we're all going through right now is worth it because fill in the blank. Tell me what fills in the blank for you. It's 930. We'll get our newscast. On the other other side, we'll get some phone calls. 216-901-0945, and sound off at alwaysright.us. We'll be back. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Yes, indeed, 938 now. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. So just in case you didn't get enough of uh, the insanity of Joe Biden with uh, his admission that, yeah, this is intentional, that's what I take that as. It's an admission. This is an incredible transition, he said, that we need to take in order to get uh, rid of a f- a fossil fuels. In case that wasn't enough, I think it's time that we uh, kind of go back to... What did this idiot just say? Kamala is at it again. More repetitive, redundant word saladry from the Vice President of the United States. Oh, hold on a second. Sorry about that. we got to make sure that it's uh, configured properly here. Children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. 
You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. <laughs> she has to be doing this on purpose. <laughs> she has to be. There's just no other way to say it. She has to be doing this on purpose. When we talk about the children of the community, I'll tell you what. This group, we talk about the children of the community. And and you know what we say about them? That they're the children of the community. <laughs> what did this idiot just say again? You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. And you, you ever notice, and, and, and I have the benefit of video here, you're just listening to me playing this. You ever notice when she speaks in her rambling, incoherent, I don't know what to say, but I have to get some words out, so I'm going to just throw some words out, which is why we call it a word salad. You ever notice how she constantly nods along as if to get you to agree with her? She says these things while nodding, like, right? Isn't it obvious? Yeah, we all understand here. And it's just so comical because the reality is what she should be doing is shrugging, shrugging her shoulders and saying, I got nothing. I don't know what to say here. I got nothing. She's got nothing. She knows she's got nothing. And, and she's unprepared. She doesn't know what to say, so she says nonsensible things and repeats them again and again and again and again to fill time and then makes you nod along with her. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. This has been... What did this idiot just say? By the way, I've got that as a feature on uh, alwayswrite.us. There's a segment underneath the top news stories of the day called What Did This Idiot Just Say? Um, so check it out. It, you know, It doesn't change every day. It's just whenever I'm made aware of these idiotic things. Right now, the current What Did This Idiot Just Say on the Facebook, or excuse me, on the alwayswrite.us website. That's What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. This has also been. What did this idiot just say? Uh, yeah, so uh, that'll be that's updated on a fairly regular basis at alwayswrite.us. Okay, uh, so I want to pivot just for a second, if I can, to something that I have been uh, sitting on for a few days, not intentionally, not at all. But it's just that I kind of forgot to play it. I think I had it on Friday, and I forgot to play it. I had it on yesterday on yesterday's program, and I forgot to play it as well. So I want to apologize for that. But there are a couple of stories that this ties to now, which is why I want to make sure I get a chance to play it now. Jack Windsor, in his uh, terrific uh, website, which is uh, com, wrote a piece um, for the weekend about, remember when I spoke with Julie Shemansky from Olentangy Local Schools down in uh, 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 the Columbus area? And Powell, to be precise, I spoke with her about the boys, little little boy, little 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 boy dressed as a girl going into the actual girls' room. Her children, her eight-year-old daughter and her ten-year-old daughter, uh, leaving that bathroom quickly because they were like, "What the is going on here?" They never told the parents that little trans boys were going to be allowed into the girls' bathrooms there. And again, when we say trans, we just mean kids who are being manipulated by by um, agenda-driven adults. That's the reality of who they are. Bill Maher did a great job of explaining that yesterday. I played a, a, a bit of that for you on yesterday's program. 
but um you know the, the children were uh were allowed to were not told that that little boys were going to be able to go into the girls room neither were the parents and we did a really interesting interview with Julie Shemansky about that jack covers that in this article but he also takes it a step further this is something we did not know olin tangi was back in elementary school was back in the news again this time nationally thanks to libs of tiktok elementary high school students at olin tangi school district were given an invasive electronic survey on their pronouns, their sexual orientation, and their mental health. And guess who was not told about this survey of the elementary school kids? You guessed it. The parents. Parents were not told. Parents are not in the know. As far as teachers unions go and woke school district administrators go parents are on a need-to-know basis and they don't need to know what we're asking kids about their sexuality in elementary school their sexual orientation their sexual preferences their sexual identities they didn't know what was going on so that that's part one of the story before i give you the video that i wanted to part two 1.2 million students According to a survey from the American Enterprise Institute, American Enterprise Institute, 1.2 million students have abandoned public schools in the last two years since the pandemic started. Now, some are saying, well, that's primarily as a driver of the pandemic because public schools were closed for so long, so uh, people were looking for alternatives, and some of that is true. But whether it's that or whether it's what we are expecting it to be, that more and more parents are recognizing the danger of woke classrooms doing untold amounts of damage to their children. They're taking them out and putting them in private schools, putting them in charter schools, maybe even homeschooling them. Whatever you have to do to get them out is fine, as long as they are getting away from this extraordinary influence. So I give you those two stories in order to give the video that I've been sitting on for the last couple of days. You'll hear the audio. You don't need to see the video except to know that this is a man of color. And I'll let him describe what color and what his race is because it is central to the point that is being made. This is a dad addressing a school board in a manner that was really unlike anything I've heard because rather than letting his anger and his rage which he is right to have, be the center of his remarks. He chose to be courteous, respectful, polite, and brilliant all at the same time. And this is something that I think we need to hear. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for your service. Obviously, you guys give of yourselves to, to do what you're doing. The community, I think we recognize that now that the political juice has been sucked out, the mass distraction that we have to move forward and one of the things i wanted to thank you for tonight was the resolution the non-discrimination resolution the crt deal because it's it's happening and as a parent i speak to other parents there's a few things that we don't want i'm biracial 
I'm bilingual, I'm multicultural. The fact is, in America, in North Carolina, I can do anything I want, and I teach that to my children. And the person who tells my little pecan-colored kids that they're somehow oppressed based on the color of their skin would be absolutely wrong and absolutely at war with me. And I think that's the same for every parent. What the mask showed us is that the parents, the most powerful group of people in our country, that they're taking back the wheel. Now, obviously, we had to take the wheel back for the mask, but we're taking the wheel back from Washington all the way to Raleigh and into our local. All right, a little glitch here for some reason. I don't know why it stopped, but it did. All right, I apologize for that. It's still got about another minute of his commentary. Good evening. Good evening. Let's try to catch up. That they're taking back the wheel. Now, obviously, we had to take the wheel back for the mask, but we're taking the wheel back from Washington all the way to Raleigh and into our local school board because CRT, all of that, the parents don't want it. It's a big fat lie. There's not one. If if you believe in CRT, I want to tell you you're a liar because that means you look at your black neighbor and say that they're oppressed and you look at your white neighbor and say that they're evil, regardless of the experience that you've had with them. And we're not going to do that. The parents in the United States of America right here in North Carolina and Cabarrus County, we know that's not true because we believe the lives we live. The fact is, I've been a business owner right here in North Carolina, and I deal with white people, black people, Hispanic people. My children deal with everybody. And the racism is only happening at the government level and on the media. The fact is, you have racists, and there's like, you can't even find them hardly. You just hear the stories about them. But this is, this is what we're dealing with. The parents are taking the wheel. I have an eight-year-old daughter who is absolutely dynamic, who can do anything athletically, intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally. She is a dynamo. And I don't want a man swimming against her in the pool. The fact is, I don't want her playing against boys in soccer. I don't even let my sons rough her up. Do you think I'm going to let your son rough her up? This is what we're talking about. Policy going back to the parents. Because if you think people who love America are willing to fight for it, you haven't met parents yet. Because I'm telling you, parents will go further down any street than anyone who loves their country alone. My name is Brian Echeverria. I thank you for your service. And we're taking back the wheel. If that's not a can-you-dig-it moment, then I don't know what is. Um, Brian Nicheverria is his name. He's uh, from a, ca- a small uh, county in North Carolina, as you heard. And every single word is spot on. This is why parents are uh, being, quite frankly, being pushed out of school board meetings. This is why parents are having the NSBA and the Biden administration collaborate on how to scare and intimidate them away from school board meetings because everything that that guy just said, the school board needed to hear, and they don't want to hear it. Moreover, they don't want to make it public because there is no defense of that or for that. Seriously, what if you're sitting at the Cabarrus County School Board there, and you hear this dad coming up there and making all of the points that he just made, how do you counter that? How do you then justify the implementation of CRT in your classrooms? How do you justify 
the uh, elimination of girls' sports by letting boys participate on those teams. How do you defend anything that this man just said eloquently, politely, respectfully, courteously, thank the school board members for their time, thank them for, for the, the, the service to the community, for being on the boards? There's nothing you could say to counter that. Nothing. And that's why they're trying to get them out. That's why the Biden administration and the Department of Justice collaborated with the NSBA, the National School Board Association, to try and sick not just the FBI, but the National Guard on parents who are complaining at school board meetings. This is what it's all about. They can't defend with ideas, so they want parents silenced. It's the same principle under which the entire social media platform uh, uh, works. The same exact principle. We can't win the debate with our own answers and ideas, so we have to silence the debater. We have to silence the dissenter. We can't win with our own responses, so we can't be forced to give responses. Shut them up. That's what happens. So I've been sitting on that video, like I said, slash audio for the last couple of days, and I apologize that I haven't played it for you. It is something that you probably want to share. You can, I think, find that. I'll make sure you can get it on the webpage at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. 9.52, right back. Okay, 9.55, Always Right Radio and alwayswrite.us. And, of course, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Make sure you check it out uh, on the webpage, too. TJ's in Cleveland. TJ, thanks for waiting. You're on the air, sir. Go ahead. You know, uh, for this idiot, this idiot to tell us that they have to remove fossil fuels to save us, that would be like a doctor telling a patient, we have to remove your heart to prevent heart disease. Uh, Everything. Uh, you know, uh, fossil fuels is the heart of an industrialized society. How are they going to build their electric cars? How are they going to build the uh, manufacture tires without petroleum, the plastics without petroleum to build that car? How are they going to repave their roads without the asphalt, a petroleum byproduct, or shingles on your home? Everything we see and touch is a petroleum fossil fuel byproduct. What's their plan? their science to replace all of these different uh, items without using fossil fuels. I mean, this is the craziest thing I ever heard. TJ, what's the matter with you? What are you doing? Are you trying to get yourself canceled? You're trying to get yourself, I mean, seriously. You go speaking sense like that. You go pointing out things. They don't want people to know that, that oil and petroleum is used for things other than gasoline. What do you mean plastics? Who uses plastic anymore? There's no plastic in our lives anywhere, is there? I mean, come on, TJ. What are you trying to do here? Don't go speaking sense to them. I just told you what they do to people who speak sense. They call the FBI, they call the National Guard, and they get you canceled. They get you silenced, and who knows, maybe even worse. You better watch yourself there, pal. No, that's true. I'm, I'm throwing out this disinformation left and right here. <laughs> uh, but and, and you know what, and I know it, Bob. This has got nothing to do with saving the planet. This has got everything to do with filling the pockets of their cronies. 
That's all it's got. They, they well, know this. They're not well, they, you, it's, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both because what they do is they let the gangrene, you know, climate alarmists uh, be the driving factor for their lining of, lining of pockets. Uh, you know, so, so the gangrene, you know, that's the thing. Bill Gates, I had a, a, a tremendously difficult spider web of influence of Bill Gates and his money that was sent to me yesterday. And it shows where how many different organizations and institutions are funded by the Gates Foundation. Uh, and all of them have massive impact and influence on our lives, including, yes, uh, fossil fuels, including, you know, the, um, uh, you know, uh, oil, petroleum, natural gas, and so forth. And what they are doing is they are forming organizations, these gangrene organizations that are essentially uh, being designed to crush those things, as you say, for their own profit. But they have to have a justification. So the justification becomes, hey, the planet's warming, or hey, the planet's freezing. And literally, from decade to decade, they can go back and forth and say which one it is, ultimately deciding on, well, the climate's changing. Either way, we've got to stop it. So, so it is, it is, and, and there are some, by the way, TJ, and I'm sure you realize this. Yeah. There are some climate alarmists that really aren't just trying to get rich. They really are just nuts. They, they are, they are the eco terrorists, the eco warriors, if you will, that really believe every time you put a spade into the earth, uh, you know, a shovel into the earth, you are, uh, you're, you're, you're damaging the planet. So there are a lot of those that are influencing this, but they are, of course, being taken advantage of by those who are trying to get rich off of this. And you know what, Bob, if we're really lucky, maybe Bill Gates will send a real nice check to you and me to keep us to shut up. <laughs> no, more likely they'll send a hit squad to keep, get you to shut yeah, up. That's, 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 that's more likely. <laughs> Thank you, uh, TJ. Good to hear from you. Appreciate it. Uh, not kidding. There was, uh, my friend Dave Paz sent me this uh, graphic uh, yesterday that just kind of summarizes um, the influence of Bill Gates and, you know, the Gates Foundation. Uh, it shows where so much of his money and their money goes to funding. $4.3 trill, uh, billion, dollars, beg your pardon, to the World Health Organization that is about to reign supreme over your health decisions in the United States of America. We've been talking about that for, for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but $243 million to the University of Oxford, which does vaccine research and development, which, of course, Bill Gates pushed through the COVID pandemic. $40 million to um, Professor Chris Witte, England's chief medical officer for SAME. $53 million to the BBC Media Action for supporting media and communication, strengthening governance over health issues. $155 million to the CDC to specifically influence what the CDC tells us to do. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, over $18 million to his NIH, the National Institute uh, of uh, Allergy and Infectious Disease. $870 million to Johns Hopkins, which provides data, statistics, maps, and COVID resources. And on down the line it goes. It's, it's an incredible web uh, of influence that he has. And yes, what TJ just said, uh, there are people getting rich over the trafficking of fear, whether it's fear of climate change, fear of COVID, fear of other infectious disease, etc. This is exactly what they do. But you just better watch it, TJ. Don't say it too loudly, or you're going to end up with some guests at your door that you're not going to uh, want to invite in. 10 o'clock, news time now. Cursing out next, AM 1420, The Answer.
You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Online at alwaysright.us. You can listen live there through the WHK radio link. It takes you right to the player, so you can listen through your phone, listen through your, uh, uh, through your car, you can listen through your computer. Uh, it makes it easy for you. Alwaysright.us, where you can find the best conservative news and views, as well as the sound off button as well, so that you can be heard on this radio program. I want to welcome, as we start hour number two now, at nine minutes past 10 o'clock, this 24th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2022, our good friend Peter Kirsten, now back with us once again. Pete is the longest-serving member in the history of of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is also an attorney. He is an author. He is a columnist. He is the host of the Kirsten Eye Report on AM 1420, The Answer as well. Pete, good morning. How are you, my friend? Feeling optimistic, Bob. 115 days into the Browns open the season, and they're going to have a roster spot available since Deshaun Watson likely is going to be suspended for, who knows, what, 10, 12 games? With that roster spot, they could fill it with somebody who's going to contribute mightily and will put fans in the seats. And you know who that is? For one play, just one play. (laughs) I love that you are so committed to this. Uh, That is phenomenal. Peter Kersenow. All right, Pete. Um, from uh, from your reality to reality, uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's try to dissect what happened yesterday um, from Japan. Before I give you the clip, and I already gave it to our audience in the first hour of the program, but I want to give it to you and uh, let people who are just tuning in to hear you specifically. I want to give the montage, it's only 60 seconds, of Joe Biden pre-presidency, in which he promised what he would do when he became president, and that is destroy the fossil fuel industry, crush the oil industry. Remember this? Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. new pipeline infrastructure? Yeah. And, new pipeline. And, and, exactly. and... No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against uh, any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. So, Pete, he made no bones about it. I will transition from the oil industry. We will not build coal-fired power plants. We will destroy the ones that we already have. We will not frack anymore. We will eliminate fossil fuels. This is what he pledged. Now that he is president, of course, we're seeing that play out in real time. 459 a gallon, another record, uh, is the average nationally. AAA and JP Morgan, uh, both predict it will reach at least $6 as a national average by August. Yesterday in Japan, when talking about the pain that we are all feeling at the pump, this was Joe Biden's response. And when it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition 
that is taking place, that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. So, Pete, um, it doesn't take a whole lot of dot connecting here. He said he would kill the oil industry and the fossil fuel industry and transition away from it. Yesterday, he used that word again, an incredible transition, not a painful one, not a horrible one, not a terrible one, an incredible one that in the end will make us less reliant on fossil fuels. Is he? Did he just slip again and say the quiet part out loud, or are they now willing to just acknowledge and brag about the fact that they are going to make us suffer this pain because of their own political agendas? I think it's the latter. And, you know, look, i got to give Biden credit here. He said it a number of times, and he's keeping his word on this thing. Wish he wouldn't, because I think this is, you know, tantamount to being insane and destructive of the United States economy. But he's going through it. I think many voters, despite the fact that, as you just played in that montage, heard him say that many times during the course of the campaign, and that he kept emphasizing, you know, getting rid of fossil fuels and transitioning to green energy. I I suspect many of the people who voted for him didn't believe it was at least going to happen this quickly or that gas prices would spike so radically. Just in, I remember um, it was uh, late January, just before his inauguration, filling up my gas uh, tank. Uh, it was I think it was like January 18th or so, uh, but it was on the weekend. So whatever date the weekend was, just before the inauguration, and, and gas prices were two dollars and eighteen cents a gallon. The last time I filled up, it was four forty nine a gallon. Uh, this is astonishing, and it has, as we all know, just incredible. Uh, downside or, or, or repercussions uh, downstream, and it is hurting the economy. But this is what the left does. The left seems to want to, from Lenin to Mao to Kim Jong-un to Biden, and I don't mean to put them all in the same category in terms of, you know, I mean, these guys, many of them were were despots, despots and monsters. Biden is not a monster. He's just an idiot. But they like to engineer economies. And we know, at least we should know if we had a good educational system, that every time the elites try to engineer our economies, disasters unfold, not just little dislocations, monumental disasters, in some case disasters where millions of people lose their lives. That won't happen here, but we're seeing an economic disaster unfold, the likes of which most of the people listening right now have not seen before. We are going to have, or we're currently experiencing the kind of stagflation that we experienced in the late 70s, going into the early uh, part of the Reagan administration. That was a painful period of time. Those of us who bought our homes during that period, were dumb enough to buy our homes during that period, or really had no other options, were paying 15 and a quarter, sometimes 16% interest rates. The, the, the economy, I, I still remember listening to the stock market uh, report every morning, the stock market was at about 800 or 700. It was, it was an extraordinarily bad period of time. Not, not bad, I mean, in terms of the United States of America, we're always better than everybody else, but in terms of what our capabilities were. Jimmy Carter dragged the United States of America down from its perch where it should have been competing at an extraordinary level, but because they wanted to engineer the economy, things went bad. Here, we've got Carter on steroids. Things are going very badly. The American people can't stand it. But here's the difference. 
Carter cared that the American people were, were hurting, and Carter was really concerned about, among other things, electoral prospects, obviously, but the manner in which his policies were harming the economy and the country as a whole. Um, Biden is either oblivious or he has signed on with the squad and others who think that the Green New Deal must be achieved no matter what. And they think that this is their only, they've, they've looked at the polls. They know what's going to be happening in November and probably in a couple of years from now at the presidential level. They also know that they've got no bench, that Kamala Harris can't be running for office. Biden won't be running for office, most likely. Uh, and then next in line is Pete Buttigieg. Give me a break. The guy who's the transportation secretary who engineered, you know, the supply chain debacle resulting in, of all things, you know, <laughs> In the United States of America, you do not have baby formula shortages. That does not happen. You don't import it from allies. It's an amazing thing. But all those things mean they have to shove into place immediately as much of their agenda as they can, because they may not get another opportunity for a long time. It's uh, it's quite an astounding thing uh, to think about, the fact that we were celebrating yesterday um the the importing of 78,000 i don't remember the metric um uh, is pounds or whatever of of baby formula from germany there was a flight that arrived and and the brandon administration was celebratory as in see what we're doing we're we're leaving peter we're the country that ships things like that yep. to third world world countries. We're not on the receiving end of it. We have never been on the receiving end of it. We're sitting here begging other nations to provide us the ability to feed our infants. That is something that has always been in the reverse. We would send that to to African countries, to South American countries, to 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 uh, Central and Latin American countries that just cannot feed themselves. We're they're championing and celebrating their accomplishment here because they got a foreign country to give us or probably loan us, uh, you know, the the value of of this baby formula, Pete. That's just an astounding thing. It, Again, it is, I look for is, I look for a Biden voter somewhere anywhere to defend and justify that and i can't find any it's unforgivable they engineer and engineered is, is the right word because their fda and all their administrative apparatus screwed up this whole matter with respect to the baby formula and the possible contamination uh at least one plant and they saw this coming four months ago yet sat on their hands and i concur with you entirely with respect to we're the country that ships the stuff out to Zimbabwe. We don't get stuff like this. You could not. If someone was trying to pitch a script to Hollywood saying that, you know, in the United States of America, um, baby formula is going to be scarce and that's going to harm someone's political prospects. Surely from a political standpoint, they would say that won't work because no politician in his right mind would ever allow the United States of America, if anything, there was going to be a shortage. Baby formula would be the last thing. You can't make this stuff up. And yet they're over here, as you indicated, after we get these relief shipments, it's almost like the Berlin airlift, we get relief shipments from another country, they're celebrating the fact that they're they're receiving this stuff as a result of their debacle. This can't continue anymore. As you said, we're, 
every once in a while, I will ask somebody who was a Biden voter how things are going, and they just they don't they won't answer. They won't answer. Many of them simply are signing on to the fact that you know at least the Green New Deal is going to be um, implemented, or some version of it is going to be implemented. And also, for whatever reason, despite the fact that a scant two years ago we had the best economy, everything was going well, no wars, we were respected across the country, immigration was under control, gas prices were low, people had jobs. You know, and then we had COVID, of course, but we had to get rid of the guy who had tweets, you know, the bad orange man. And look how radically things have changed. This is instructive of the importance of getting it right. Also, the importance of, among other things, our educational system. We can talk about that forever, ever, and ever, and ever. But we have had now 50-plus years, 50-plus years of propaganda in large part from our public school systems, that it was just wrong from a fundamental standpoint, an economic standpoint. And we've got people who really think that, you know, the government owes us a living, the government will provide, and the, the ramifications of that are being visited upon us right now. People are voting for their sustenance as opposed to working for their sustenance. And the Democratic Party forever and ever has been promising things, promising all kinds of things that unfortunately has to be taken from somebody else. You know, these things don't don't just grow on trees or is in, the, in Joe Biden, Biden's basement. But apparently people didn't get the message. And here we are today. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember a time in the United States during my lifetime that we've been. No, let's let's face it. We have relative peace here in the United States of America, despite a, a huge crime wave going on. We have an economy where, you know, people aren't dying in the streets. But this is the worst we have. And we're on a precipice that I've never seen before during my lifetime, at least. Peter, I want to take this to another level. Uh, well, actually, it's 1022. Let's take the time out here. I want to come back, and we'll stay on this, uh, particularly the uh, shift to uh, away from fossil fuels, the intentional shift, uh, or what does he call it, an incredible transition uh, away from fossil fuels to essentially all electric when it comes to vehicles. I've got a, an element here I want to bring up to you and get your response to. It really does literally take it to another level, uh, and we're all going to pay a very, very steep price if this is the, the, the direction in which we are headed. So I'll ask you about that after this time out, Peter Krishna. Pete, I want to talk, uh, as we continue with Peter Kirstenau, a little bit more about this shift away from fossil fuels to uh, electric, all electric, everything. Hot Air has got a tremendous uh, uh, piece here on, on some of the specifics that we are facing. The North American Electric Reliability Corporation, NERC, has released its latest reliability assessment for the summer of 2022. And to put it mildly, the news is not good. In far too many states, the power grid is already at nearly full capacity. And in the next few months, that capacity will be exceeded. It's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. It's just a fact. Industry experts know this and have been trying to sound the alarm for several years. Critics are trying to place the blame on climate change, as they do for everything else, in the form of extended droughts and heat waves. Those factors may exacerbate the problem, but this was going to happen in the next year or so anyway. In fact, the government has not done anything about it. In a moment, we'll look at what could be done if uh, there is sufficient will to take action. But let me give you more of the problems. In Texas, in February of 2021, the power grid failed. More than 200 people died, nearly all of them from hypothermia. Think about that. Well into the 21st century, hundreds of suburban residents in one of the wealthiest states literally froze to death. Um, The 
uh, a capacity uh, exceeding of the capacity of the electrical grid will not just impact California and Texas this summer. A minimum of 14 states will be hit by this in a rolling sequence. As water levels fall, uh, you eventually reach a point where your ability to produce hydroelectricity, hydroelectric electricity from dams diminishes. That's uh, the, uh, the second to last part. And then the last part is coal-fired power plants. 40 coal-fired more. Of uh, more than 40 coal-fired power plants scheduled to be taken offline in the name of fighting climate change. As Biden promised, no replacement sources for all of that juice have been proposed uh, to say uh, nothing of having them come online. So, Pete, I gave you all of that to say, Mm -hmm. how the hell can we replace hundreds of millions of American cars, actually I don't know how many are on the roads, but whatever millions, number of millions of American, uh, you know, um, uh, internal combustion engine vehicles with electric vehicles. We can't even keep the lights on, or we won't be able to nationwide this summer before this push toward electric vehicles. How in the world do they ever think that they will upgrade the electrical system to be able to handle millions and millions and millions of of electric vehicles, Pete? Yeah, they cannot. We know they cannot. The reports that I've seen, the analyses I've seen, are actually more dire than the one that you've just mentioned, although they're consistent with what you've just said, and the facts are consistent. It's not just California. There have been rolling blackouts in many western states. I was surprised about Texas, but we've known about Texas for about two years now. I don't know what they've been doing down there, but they've been relying much too much on wind, and when they have, you know, changes in the weather that are, are, you know, in Texas, you generally expect the weather's going to be somewhat moderate in terms of the temperatures, but they've had some uh, pretty big freezes down there also, and that's caused the problems you've just mentioned. In addition, let's start from the very beginning. All of this is based upon this assumption, which I happen to think is correct. I do think there is climate change because, well, you know, for 4 billion years, we've had climate change in the world. So there's going to be climate change. Uh, The extent to which such change is a result of man-made endeavors, well, that's the thing that's up, up for debate. And the extent to which those changes are going to have negative influences on the human population and the way it's going to do it is up for debate also. But we're making radical changes without getting the science and getting the data straight. There's multiple debates on this, yet we don't hear it. Why? Because the media is, you know, they've signed on to one side of the debate. They're not giving a neutral assessment. Give you one example. Um, we keep hearing about, and you keep seeing the sad commercials about the polar bears. The polar bears, and, you know, they're, they're always on some kind of little ice float because yeah. the, the polar. Well, the fact of the matter is that despite. Despite a doubling of oil usage over the last 35 years, ice coverage in the North Pole is the highest it's been in that time, the highest, the highest since at least 1988. But almost everybody thinks that, my goodness, we have nothing there because, you know, climate change has melted, the icebergs melted the, the ice cap. But we aren't assessing precisely the extent of climate change to the extent, the extent that man, man is affecting climate change and to the extent to which all of these dislocations, these electrical grid dislocations, this conversion from coal and gas and and oil to electricity and wind, the extent to which those things will have any impact on climate change, regardless of whether or not that climate change is man-made and deleterious to our current existence, or whether or not it's just natural part of the changes in in, in um in the uh, the atmosphere, changes in solar output, the changes in a whole host of things that have caused the climate to change. Every single year, every single decade, every single eon in the history of the, of the world's existence. So we're doing a lot of things without 
getting the data. And we're making wholesale changes that are so radical, as I indicated. Whenever you have an engineered economy, usually bad things happen. We're not learning the lessons of history. I thought that Democrats were supposed to be the party of science. They're the party of voodoo. <laughs> That's, you know, they are. That's very well said. And they are never the party of science, Peter. If they were the party of science, they would not be uh, 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 putting witnesses before Senate committees declaring that men can get pregnant. And that's exactly what they are doing. Peter Kirsten, I will continue with us right after the news. Always right radio on AM 1420, The Answer. We were good on Christ. Delivering you from the depravity of the radical left. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1039 now, we continue on AM 1420. The answer, Peter Kersenow, is with us. Peter, of course, is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, the longest-serving such member. We're going to ask him about some of his work uh, on that board, particularly as it pertains to the expansion of the division along racial lines here by uh, the um, institutions of higher learning. But, Pete, before we do that, I just kind of wanted to get your reaction to the latest episode of... What did this idiot just say? You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. That clears it right the hell up, doesn't it, Pete? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's almost every day now. We laugh, but she's next in line to be president. Well, it is It is every day. And Pete, what I asked, I posted this on Truth Social. I'm on the Trump's uh, Truth Social. and, And I posted it with the question. At this point, it's almost got to be intentional, doesn't it? The fact that she does the same thing day after day, she embarrasses herself by not having anything to say, but she knows she has to fill the space. There's silence. I have to answer. I have to say something. I've got nothing. I'm not prepared, so I'm going to just fill the space. Like that proverbial kid who's got a you know a, an essay paper to write that's got to be a minimum of th- three pages, and he's got two and a quarter pages. i got to fill the last three quarters of the page with something. So they just make stuff up and, re- and, and repeat themselves. That's what she does on, on an everyday basis, Pete, and that's what's just so incredibly... You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community... They are the children of the community. It's got to be intentional now. Nobody can sound that incredibly stupid on such a regular basis without it being on purpose. It's like she's trolling us, I think, Pete. Oh, don't don't under, underestimate our vice president there, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's fully capable of sounding stupid every single day without it being intentional. And you know what? A lot of folks like this. I remember when I was working in Washington, you know, and dealing with. Not very often, but on occasion, the higher-level folks in Washington, Congress, um, what you found is some of them were really in the proverbial bubble. Uh, they didn't know how they sounded or what their actions appeared like to people outside of the Beltway. And, you know, their staffs very often are very sycophantic. No disrespect to staffs. They work hard and everything. But, you know, you've heard a number of horror stories about, you know, the Amy Klobuchar's and others of the world and the way they treat their staffs. And everyone's going to be telling them, no one's going to say the emperor has no clothes. They're going to be telling them all the great things that they're doing, and they're shielding them a lot.
lot of times from the adverse comments that they see. And you would think maybe they would, you know, just randomly hear some of this stuff, but they very often don't. They get a steady diet of what their staff gives them in terms of the news and in terms of even entertainment. So uh, it's quite, I don't think that she could be completely oblivious to this, but I don't think she actually understands how bad things are. Just witness the fact that she still hemorrhages staff and apparently, you know, hasn't changed her ways. The same things that, that have caused staff to leave ever since she was a senator from California are still occurring, and yet she hasn't changed course. No, and you know you're probably right. I'm underestimating her, uh, and she she is completely oblivious to the way other people see her. And you're right. No staff is going to have the guts to tell her, "Look, this is how bad you look. This is how bad you sound. You need to fix it." Because then she b- blows up on them, and then they resign. So I mean, you're exactly right, Pete. Let's talk race. Let's talk about intentional division along racial lines. Remember, Joe Biden was going to be the great uniter after the orange man, um, with all of his racism and white nationalism, came in and divided this country. He was going to be the uh, the person who brought it all together. Well. Apparently not yet taking effect in the institutions of higher learning, otherwise known as our colleges and universities. You wrote two letters as a member of the Commission on Civil Rights, uh, one to Cali Polytechnic State University and the other one to Oakton Community College, one obviously in California, one in Illinois, about their violations of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, particularly Title VI, because they are literally excluding people from, well, in one case, commencement exercises, graduation ceremonies, and in the other case, actual education based on race. Tell us about those and tell us why you wrote what you wrote. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Yeah, I did write those, but that those are only the tip of the iceberg. I've been writing those letters for a while, and I think those were the two most recent that were reported by, I believe it was the Washington Times and a couple of other outlets. But I've written a number over the last few years because there's a proliferation of segregation going on. Outright unlawful segregation. George Wallace style segregation, except that it is something that the elites have been doing, the good old anointed elites who think that everything is okay as long as that segregation is accepted by minorities and not vigorously opposed and no whites ever opposed because they're afraid of getting canceled, afraid of, and this happens, they're afraid of, you know, what's going to happen to them academically. They're petrified as are professors and certain other administrators in colleges because you have to go, you have to pass the woke initiation, first of all, as you know, sometimes you've got to write diversity statements just to get a job. It is truly something similar to the old Soviet Union and China. I don't mean to compare them to those two regimes in terms of the deleterious effects on the populace back then, the horrific effects, but it's the same thing. And, you know, look, I I don't want to be alarmist or anything, but that kind of stuff never leads to an optimal result. But nonetheless, you've got these divisions now that are, you know, they're, they're pretty much accepted by those who used to be considered to be oppressed. In fact, they're asked for very often by minority students. But you have separate graduations, sometimes separate scholarship funds, separate dormitories, separate safe spaces, separate classes. It's extraordinary what's happening. And I think most Americans, because our media doesn't report it or they think favorably of it, don't fully appreciate the extent this has permeated our educational establishment. It's 
predominantly in colleges. It is also now infiltrating medical schools and law schools. You see it sometimes at the high school level in certain places. I know in Georgia they had a problem with respect to high school separate graduations. Of all places, Georgia. Uh, it's not some place where they wanted to revisit some of the uh, more baleful aspects of their history, but nonetheless. Um, the Cal Poly and Oakton were just the most recent. South Carolina had to write a letter because they had separate scholarships. And then they, and when, when it was brought to their attention, they kind of said, well, uh, never mind. Yale, some of the other, I mean, I could go down a list. Virtually every day, if I had the time and I didn't have, you know, a day job, I could be writing letters. It's not my job either to do this, by the way, Bob. We have an Office of Civil Rights in the Department of Education staffed by tons of lawyers and people who are supposed to look out for these things. Very often when people contact me because they either see something I've done or they know who I am or maybe they've seen me on some show, they contact me. You know, I do whatever I can, but then I refer them to the Office of Civil Rights of the Department of Education where you can file a Title VI complaint, in some cases a Title VII complaint if, if it's appropriate. And yet the Office of Civil Rights, who, you know, I mean, look, um, they're not going to get a whole lot of action out of that department, unfortunately. They're supposed to enforce non-discrimination law, and yet very often they will look the other way or take their time in enforcing the law, because most of the people there um, are, you know, they're not necessarily opposed to segregation as long as it's quote-unquote good segregation. So, you know, it was 60 years ago when George Wallace said, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Who knew that that would be the mantra of the Democratic Party? It's, it's, It's extraordinary. And it, it has horrible effects. We can see it with the proliferation of critical race theory and, and other issues like that, where our young folks now are being trained to be racists, although it's not considered racist from the perspective of the woke because it's going again in the right direction. But this is horrible for the cohesiveness of society. It's just we know this. Those of us of a certain age who went through this understand you can't cabin racism and discrimination. It will escape like a virus and it will do deleterious harm to the the fabric of society. Yet our elites are engaged in this in a full throated uh, uh, endeavor. This is really, and again, scholarships, dorms, classes, uh, trainings, and it's happening not just at colleges. As you know, I've written letters to businesses that have done this kind of stuff. Um, we are seeing uh, the National Association of, of Scholars calls it neo-segregation. I call it resegregation, and it's not limited, as I indicated. Fifty years of affirmative action have the, the natural result of this, I've been talking about this myself for about 40 years, nobody listens, but when you've got this kind of thing, when you've got, what happens is, with affirmative action, as we know, and the Supreme Court is currently considering students for fair admissions versus Harvard, um, but nonetheless, black and Hispanic students are given powerful, enormous preferences to get into uh, our schools. I mean, at some schools, you're 500 times or more likely to be admitted if you're black than a similarly situated. In other words, same credentials, black, I'm sorry, white or Asian compared to 500 times. Well, what happens when you uh, have people who are unprepared? They're not that they can't necessarily do the work, but they're unprepared to do the work. They're, they can't compete at that level yet, yet they're still thrown into this mix and expected to compete. Finding that they can't compete, half of blacks will, will fall out, uh, will drop out, um, more than 50% are in the bottom 10% of the respective classes. Well, look, cosmetically, that doesn't look good. So what do a number of institutions do? They segregate to 
to shield uh, those students and also to camouflage what's going on, camouflaging dropout rates and, and bad grades. They do this, and then we found over the last 20, 25, 30 years, that wasn't working, so what are they doing? They're lowering standards at many academic institutions, if not most academic institutions, across the board. So you don't see these disparities. The kind of academic rigor you used to see in colleges, um, or I'm sorry, in high schools, is now being transported to colleges. In other words, college is just glorified high school, if that they are lowering standards in, in all kinds of, even in medical schools, standards are being lowered so that you don't notice the fact that the beneficiaries of affirmative action aren't competing successfully. And the other thing, as I said, it, it, this is uh, conjoined with this neo-segregation. So you don't see these kinds of disparities as readily or visibly. So this is something that, you know, your listeners, I hope, pay attention to. If they see something like this, please alert me. It is still unlawful in the United States of America. Brown versus Board of Education was not overturned. The 1964 Civil Rights Act is still in existence. It is not lawful to segregate in the United States of America in our academic institutions. So if you hear about it, blow the whistle, scream loudly, because this is doing profound harm to our society. Pete, um, I don't have time really for an open-ended question like this, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> uh, and the question is why? Um, everything you just explained, uh, you know, it, it, from from the legal perspective about why they can't do this to the this is harming black people perspective when they can't get into schools that they shouldn't be, or excuse me, when they get into schools that they're not qualified for. I, everything you just described is is bad, and yet they're doing it anyway. Why? What's the goal here? I, I'm, right. I'm struggling to figure that part out of this. I mean, everybody who has an idea for changing the culture, for changing the political landscape, whatever, has to have an agenda, a goal, a motive. And they have to think that it's good. What we want to do is good for whomever. Um, I'm, I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. What is the reason for this? There are, there's not just one reason that applies to everybody, because there's some well-meaning people who really were hoping that, you know, affirmative action, for example, would uh, herald a new day, a new enlightened day. But the overarching reason, I hate to say this, but again, 20 plus years on the Civil Rights Commission, you start to see your <laughs> the scales eventually fall off your eyes. You don't want to believe it. But yeah, there's a significant cohort within the leftist movement that, as we know, doesn't like the United States of America and some of her most cherished precepts and concepts. They don't like it. They really don't. They would much prefer to count on the basis of race, ethnicity, sex, and a whole host of other immutable characteristics than champion the ideal of the United States of America, which, as we know from our elites in the 1619 Project, was just crafted and, and um, uh, uh, organized and created to perpetuate slavery and oppression. Many have taken this to heart. Don't discount, and again, it's taken me a while to fully absorb this, but there is a significant cohort, not your average guy that you talk to who may be a Democrat, not your average guy who's a little bit on the left necessarily, but those that actually dictate the direction of the leftist movement really do despise the United States of America. And that probably is not strong enough a term. 
But if you take a look at the literature, you see some of the witnesses that come to, uh, testify before the Civil Rights Commission, at some point you have to reluctantly conclude that, yes, they would prefer to do harm to the United States of America than to do justice or to do what's right for their fellow citizens. Peter Kersenow, great, great discussion. Uh, always appreciate your analysis of this stuff, Peter. Thank you for that, and uh, we look forward to talking to, to, talking to Take you. Take care, Bob. Remember, about 100 days, one play. Kersenow for Kirsten one for play. One. Everybody call, call, tweet, email the Browns. And you are okay, by the way, if that one play is Nick Chubb up the middle, right? <laughs> I prefer an outpass to me. Because if, if they've got but, <laughs> But as long as I get on the field for one play, so my obituary says played in the NFL. (laughs) I'm just thinking, man, you got your one play. If this if this big giant publicity stunt, you know, somehow bore fruit and Kersenow gets on the field for a play, wide right, you can just hear Donovan now, wide right, Kersenow. I'm I'm gonna try try to get Trump to tweet about this. If I can get him to tweet about this, you know that. And then Stefanski calls Chubb up the middle for two. Kersenow's corner is now over. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Pete. God bless you, man. Take care, Bob. 10.55, right back. Okay, 10.57. Thanks for being with us. Peter Kersenow with uh, some great stuff there. I, I, I didn't find this until after I talked with Pete. In the first segment of our uh, talk together today, we talked about um, you know Biden and uh, uh, the, the current state of this country as, a, as almost a third world country. The fact that the Biden administration celebrated the arrival of a plane carrying baby formula from Germany. Pallets and pallets of baby formula. They're celebrating it. Because we have a baby shortage, a baby formula shortage here. We have to get it elsewhere. And Pete and I talked about the fact that these are we're a first world country right now with third world problems. We are the nation that sends food to starving people in other countries. We are the greatest civilization in history. We are the greatest country since the dawn of mankind. We care for others. We don't need to be on the receiving end of others' generosity or others' philanthropy or others' charity. And yet we are now being forced to ask other countries for gas, for oil, for Food to feed our infants. It's it's an astounding, astounding turn of events. It's one that should bring shame to the hearts and the minds and the souls of anybody who voted for this administration that is leading us into this terrible, terrible situation. But what I didn't have for Peter when we talked about it in the first segment was this little audio clip. How bad must things get? for the Biden administration to the point where CNN and Brian Stelter, of all people, turn on them to point out that absurdity. You saw those pictures in the corner of the screen a few moments ago. The first military flight carrying an emergency supply of baby formula has just landed near Indianapolis, Indiana. 
baby formula flown in on a military plane. This is part of the Biden administration's Operation Fly formula as Americans are coping with a nationwide shortage. The pallets of baby formula were flown here from Germany. Uh, this staff, um, the master sergeant overseeing the shipment telling his staff, quote, we are literally saving babies. But this is both a failure as well as a success. The existence of this plane is a failure of the government and a failure of corporations as well, even though these pictures today are meant to symbolize a success by the Biden administration. How about that? CNN's Humpty Dumpty, Brian Stelter, quote, the existence of this plane is a failure of the government, even though these pictures today are meant to symbolize success by the Biden administration. Is Biden starting to lose CNN? Holy goodness. That's pretty remarkable. I didn't get a chance, give uh, Pete a chance to respond to that because I didn't have it at the time, but I have it now, and you can respond. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Hour 3 of Always Right Radio coming up on alwaysright.us and on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed, and hour number three is now underway. Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks to Peter Kersenow. Tremendous, tremendous commentary from Kersenow uh, on this Tuesday. Not that it isn't tremendous every week, but seriously, uh, really important stuff that uh, Peter covered with us today. Uh, last hour is all yours, 888-281-1110. Go ahead and dial now. We'll get you up and on the radio. People are already using the alwaysright.us uh, sound off button. If you have not yet used it, I'm going to continue to tell you about it until you do because it makes it so easy to get through without being on hold, placed on hold, without having any, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, problems, uh, uh, you know, stating your point live. You can record it. And if you don't like how it sounds, you can delete it and re-record it and just send it to me. It's simple. Go to alwaysright.us, click on the sound off button on the right side of the page. It's red. And then record your message for the program like Dan did. Bob, I am so confused. I mean, I'm so confused. I feel like Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I don't know. I got dementia. So wait, is the gas prices an incredible transformation or is it Putin's fault? Which one is it? <laughs> That's a heck of a question. It really is. Over and over and over, we keep hearing about the Putin price hike. It's not our fault. It's Putin's fault. It's the Putin price hike. Putin, 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 Putin. Blaming the entire thing on Putin. But then 
yesterday in Japan talking about how this is an incredible thing here. It's going to get us off of fossil fuels. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. Probably not the best uh, Joe Biden impersonation I've ever heard. I've got dementia. <laughs> Generally speaking, people who have dementia don't know they have dementia, I think. Uh, not a doctor here. But your point is a good one. He's celebrating it and praising it. Record high gas prices crippling Americans' budgets, crippling uh, their ability to pay their bills, putting thousands of dollars more in their tanks if you spread this out over a year thus taking money away from their ability to buy clothes, food, pay their rent, pay their mortgage, pay their insurance, all of the other things that they have to do. But at least it'll get us off of fossil fuels. This this incredible transformation, he said. And if you missed the part of the conversation I had with Peter Kirstenau, by the way, about getting us off of petroleum, getting us off of uh, uh, gasoline-powered engines, getting us into all electric vehicles, if you missed it, Understand, this is exactly <clears throat> what the goal is. Not only did he say, um, you know, uh, the part that I just played for you in Japan, in his South Korean stop of his Asian tour, he literally pointed out that we are transitioning to all electric. This is exactly what the goal is, is to transition to all electric. So it brings up this story that I was talking to Pete about, about, well, can the the American electrical grid handle all electric vehicles? How many millions of vehicles of gasoline, you know, internal combustion engines are there on the roads and on the, you know, not just the roads in terms of passenger cars, but obviously a lot of our trucks, uh, tractors, you know, providing America's food, uh, you know, motorcycles, ATVs, jets, for crying out loud. I mean, all, just think about all of the things that, we, just for transportation uses. If all of those were converted, not that you can even do that when it comes to air travel and some of the other things, but if all those things were converted to electricity, what would it do to the electrical grid? And the reality of the situation is, is it can't. our electrical grid cannot handle the use that we have for it right now. I, one cannot imagine the cost, much less the infrastructure, that it would take to strengthen and support the electrical grid. And there are coming blackouts you have been warned about because we can't ha- the grids can't handle what we need now. The capacity is exceeding the, the supply that, of electricity that can be produced. I mean, the, the, the need for this is so grave. The federal government... Uh, and this is according to the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. The federal government is going to, combining with the states, impose rolling blackouts, not just across the hottest states like California, Texas, but 14 different states are already on schedule to participate in this rolling blackout sequence. And it's because the electrical grids are already at or over capacity, and it's only going to get worse. 40 different coal-fired power plants are scheduled to be taken offline this year in the name of fighting climate change. No replacement sources for the energy that those, those produce have been proposed, much less actually been built or put online. As water levels fall, hydroelectricity from dams, that power is going to diminish as well. 
So yet they continue to talk about doing this. So Pete and I talked at some length about this, and yet nobody addresses that. Nobody is addressing uh, you know, the, the fact that this, this move away from fossil fuels that he is so proud of is going to essentially make it impossible for Americans to survive in the way that they do now. Electricity cannot happen without all of those other elements that we just talked about, including, yes, coal-fired power plants. Action can be taken. The closure of those coal plants, first of all, needs to be stopped. But if you don't want to burn coal, okay, convert those power plants to natural gas. That's been done to more than 100 coal-fired plants already in the last 10 years. But he won't let us frack and drill for natural gas either. How about streamlining the regulatory hurdles in the nuclear power approval process to bring more of the next generation small module reactors online quickly when it's practical to do so? And yes, if there is room for any more wind turbines and solar farms, go ahead and put those up. But just understand that those are going to cause massive, massive environmental damage because all of those wind turbines and solar farms, those materials are not biodegradable. They will fill landfills until eternity they will not break down ever ever and if they're talking about carbon footprints and talking about protecting the planet how do they justify that so all of these things have to be considered when you hear joe biden praising high gas prices as getting us off of fossil fuels. when it comes to the gas prices uh we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that god willing when it's over will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. To repeat the line from a Texas congressional candidate by the name of Wesley Hunt that I gave you in hour number one. Translated, the Biden administration is preparing to let your family suffer economically to advance a climate agenda. It is a transition, all right, a transition into poverty. This, he said, is socialism. He is spot on. That is exactly what this is. So how are Americans going to handle that? How are Americans going to respond to that? Hey, Bob, Brian from Cleveland here. I was listening to, I believe it was Dan Bongino the other day, talking about the press turning on the administration. And if you notice one thing, they don't do anything or say anything to condemn the policies of liberalism, the Green New Deal, or anything like that. All they're doing is eating their own. They don't do anything to condemn the policies. Have a great one, man. Appreciate it. No, they don't. They never do. Because that would be admitting you're wrong. And you know what it means to be a Democrat in America. Being a Democrat means never having to say you're sorry. They will never point the finger at liberal policies. They will never point the finger at the, at, at the individuals who are directly responsible for taking us and going just strictly with the energy situation. We went from energy independence, being a net exporter of energy under the Trump administration, to being literally crippled, crippled by the lack of energy and the lack of supply uh, in, under the Biden administration. That's just the reality of the situation. They're, they're, they're shipping planes full of baby formula, and as we just told the story before, and we actually heard Humpty Dumpty, Brian Stelter, even from CNN, criticizing that or pointing out the absurdity of that. And uh, Biden bragged a couple of days ago about um, uh, um, uh, using the... Um, oh, for crying out loud, why can't I remember what it's called now? The... Um, 
uh, Production Act, the the National Defense Production Act, to to mandate the you know the expediting of the the production of more baby formula. Uh, it's something that Trump did, of course, using to manda- uh, to uh, to um, uh, produce and, and and increase the uh, rate of production of the vaccines back when you know they thought that maybe this would have been the answer, and of course it never ever was going to be the answer. But the National Defense Production Act is used to produce things that literally are for the national emergency, for a national emergency. Couldn't that apply to, to I don't know, oil? Why would the, the President of the United States, who's using the National Defense Production Act, to make sure that we have enough formula, to make sure that we have enough uh, of, of, of you know, other vital things that are, that are crippling the country right now, why, nothing is crippling us more than energy. The inflation at your stores, directly related to energy. The inflation at your grocery store, at your clothing store, at your home department, whatever it is, they're all being impacted by energy. Why not use and enact the National Defense Production Act to maximize the output of energy? Get that pipeline finished now and get it up and online as soon as humanly possible. Even if the pipeline isn't constructed for for another you know eight months, a year, or whatever it might be, under the National Defense Production Act, even if it was expedited and it isn't finished for, for a long period of time, the fact that it's on its way is going to ease the burden because the change is going to be made internationally when they realize that the Americans were about to let uh, oil flow from, from Canada through the United States, two refineries there, and into Mexico. It's going to completely change the market. All of those canceled drilling and, and exploration leases on federal lands, Reverse them. No cancellation. Those are now allowed open. Allow the oil companies, allow the gas companies to continue exploration and drilling immediately. Again, we don't even have to put a barrel of oil out on the market for the market to see that it's on the way. And gas prices will go down. If you use the na- the, the National Defense... Uh, National Defense... Um, um, Again, I'm I'm flaking on the name of it again. Uh, a production act, basically. Um, you will impact this. You will give Americans relief at the pump. You will absolutely do that. Maximize energy output immediately and watch prices fall because the world markets will react. Joe Biden does not want to do that because he has never been about the American people. He has never been about the American family. He has never been about helping the middle class. He has been all about pleasing his gangrene overlords who want fossil fuels gone forever. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. Eleven twenty-five. Always right. Radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer always right. US. Sound off like Tom did in Medina. Uh, so I want to put. I heard. Good morning, Bob. I heard Mike Lindell talk about Herschel Walker yesterday. You can probably find the audio. He came out and said Joe Biden won the twenty twenty election, and there's no fraud in our elections. I believe that's what all he said. Here he is, Herschel Walker is being, I guess he's endorsed by Donald Trump. He's, what is he? He's a uniparty. That guy isn't going to fight for election integrity. Also, how about the story about the the girl at the 
Dallas Mavericks basketball game that got taken and and found and then later found 200 miles away law enforcement ignored the problem the father somehow got contacted these people that found out they somehow located the girl and they were able to get her back she was being Traffic, sex trafficked. Yeah, she was. Two things, Tom. First of all, thanks for the message on AlwaysRate.us. Uh, that's number one. Number two, um, turn the radio down. Just like when you call the show live, you got to turn the radio down in the background. I was hearing myself there as much as I was hearing you. Uh, as to the points you made, look, Herschel Walker is like a lot of conservative Republicans who don't want to get into the game of the election being stolen. They feel like perhaps it's going to cost them votes from centrists who want to move forward. They may agree that the um, election was stolen, but they're not going to get into that, and it's going to perhaps cost them some support. But let's remember one thing. Herschel Walker is running against Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is a straight-up socialist. Herschel Walker will be an extraordinary improvement if he makes the United States Senate and boots Raphael Warnock out. It's a conservative vote who will vote almost assuredly with all conservative legislation. Uh, that is put forth uh, in the United States Senate, particularly under uh, a conservative uh, majority, and he will be a huge improvement. So is he perfect? No. Is he a political novice? Yes. Is he just popular by name in Georgia because he was the legendary you know, Heisman Trophy winner for the Georgia Bulldogs? Yes. But I've heard him. And I believe he is con- has conservative convictions. He is being called everything that you can think of to call a man other than a man uh, because of his candidacy as a Republican. You know what it's like for black conservative Republicans. You know how hard it is for them to try to please everybody. Obviously, there are so many black... Th- well, you heard what Sonny Hostin said, you know, laying it out. You heard what Joe Biden said, right? Remember, it's all about um, it's all about skin color. If you're black, you better be a Democrat, and you better be voting for Democrats. And what did, what did Sonny Hostin say? She said that um, uh, a black Republican is an oxymoron. He's a black Republican. He's a conservative black Republican. And it's very, very difficult for him. So he's trying to find his way through. He's not going to talk about, um, you know, say the election was stolen because it might cost him some supports of, of some people who say, look, let's look forward here. Let's do the, uh, you know, the thing that, um, uh, you know, that, that is going to help the state of Georgia and the people of this country moving forward rather than going back and relitigating uh, the 2020 election. Look, I'm sure Herschel Walker is aware of 2,000 mules. I'm aware of 2,000 mules. We have all seen so much evidence of the fraud that was in the 2020 election, but he's just not choosing to make that an issue of his campaign. He wants to beat Raphael Warnock and advance conservative uh, causes in Congress, or in the Senate, rather. So I have no problem uh, with Herschel Walker whatsoever. I do understand. I do understand your point that he's not saying the perfect things. In much the same way that a lot of us weren't real super happy with uh, uh, J.D. Vance not playing, uh, saying all of the right conservative things for the last few years. Much more so now, but over the last few years. There are some guys who are not going to be perfect, but they are going to be far better than the, the alternative. And having J.D. Vance is a far better alternative to having Tim Ryan. Having Herschel Walker in Georgia... And thus in the U.S. Senate is a far better alternative to Raphael Warnock. So keep those things in mind. Is he perfect? No. But, Tom, don't go throwing out the baby with the bathwater. As to the girl situation that Tom brought up there, that was horrific. And it's just another example of the rampant, violent, criminal um, 
element, I guess, that is being allowed to run wild in this country because we have cut policing, we have cut it to the bone, we have prosecutors who do not prosecute, we have judges who give no bail, uh, uh, no bail uh, uh, for for criminal offense, offenses, and violent crime is on the rise. And the trafficking of a ten-year-old girl kidnapped from the bathroom of an NBA game, and taken and trafficked and found in a in a different state in a different city in a hotel room where she was being abused is just uh, is just as awful as it gets but you better get used to that unless we return to a place of of, of law and order in this country all right thanks as much for the message 11:30 if you want to get in do it now 2169010945 after the news on AM 1420 the Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 100 years. First air date for WHK was March 5th, 1922. So we are celebrating our 100th anniversary this year. Did you know that did you know that WHK was the first radio station to broadcast in the state of Ohio? The 15th oldest station still broadcasting in the United States. That's incredible. We're not letting this go by without some commemoration, without some celebration. So we want to invite you to mark your calendar for the 100th anniversary celebration of WHK Radio. It's going to be held on Tuesday, June 21st. Where else would we hold it? other than at Harry Buffalo in North Olmsted. There's going to be great music, drinks, food, and friends. There's going to be a private VIP area that you can purchase a ticket to to uh, experience a few different things, including the opportunity to uh, socialize and engage and question and pick the minds or just uh, shoot the bull with myself and Tom Kelly. We'll enjoy the music of Top Dog, which is a uh, uh, Beatles-driven kind of band, which is going to be phenomenal. There's going to be a whiskey-tasting flight, cigars, hors d'oeuvres, the outdoor patio. It's going to be a great, great time. General admission tickets are going to be available very soon, so you can enjoy the music, food, and and drinks, and celebrate some of the history of the, the oldest radio station in the state of Ohio and the 15th oldest still to be broadcasting from that original date. So it's Tuesday, June 21st. Mark your calendar, and I'll tell you in the coming days how to buy those tickets and make sure that you are joining us uh, for that. I want to share this with you, too, uh, because I mentioned it, but I didn't play it. I told you about what Biden said in Japan, and I did play that, but this is what he said in South Korea. Um, Again, underscoring his goal of killing fossil fuels, killing the oil industry, killing millions of jobs. Between oil, natural gas, and coal, those industries employ millions of people. He wants to put them all out of work because he believes in an all-electric future. This is what he said. And thanks to Hyundai, uh, we are uh, being part of this transformative automobile sector and accelerating us on the road where we're going to be handing uh, to uh, the United States of all-electric future. That's what we're shooting for. We're going to be handing to the United States an all-electric future. That's what we're shooting for. Never mind the fact that this country cannot possibly, possibly survive without petroleum and petroleum byproducts. It cannot survive on an all-electric basis 
this is what he's doing, and he's willing to destroy you and your family's budget while we get there with this incredible transition away from fossil fuels that he bragged about in Japan. To uh, the United States of all electric future, that's what we're shooting for. Uh, we missed you. It's pretty astounding. It's pretty astounding to, to hear him just say, the uh, again, the quiet part out loud, if you will. Uh, let's go to Chuck. Chuck is calling us from North Ridgeville. Hi, Chuck. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Bob. Listen, Hello, Chuck. It, it, as always, this is a great show. Uh, and what you just said, I did not. You educate as well as entertain. I did not know that WHK was so old and so historic. That was, that's a wonderful piece of a information. Of people, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. I, I, I didn't. Admit, yeah, I, I didn't know it right off either until after I was with WHK for a few years when I realized, you know, that we were the first, literally the first station to broadcast in the state of Ohio and one of the 15 oldest in the country that are still running. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it is a great thing, and that's why we're going to have a great celebration. It's a foundation a radio station. How about yeah. that? Is, yeah, it is. is. I like that. All right, is that a good... Uh, uh, slogan? I'll buy it. At, anyway, I was calling because what you said about Herschel Walker is so spot on. The other side detests black conservatives. Clarence Thomas being the number one, okay? And everything you said was absolutely perfect. And it's so easy to defeat that blue shirt of lefty Nazi Warnock. It's just a matter of making sure the votes count because we know what happened, all right? And and that's and that's just you know something that has to be dealt with. But the other thing you said was when you were talking about well, who Colonel Kurt Schlichter calls the potato? Oh, Brian uh, Stelter, Humpty Dumpty. Yes, Humpty. <laughs> that's what he looks like to me. If you ever, if you have seriously, if you had the Humpty Dumpty little book, you know the little picture book when you were a kid. If you've ever seen seen it, that that's exactly what his head looks like. He looks like Humpty Dumpty. I think it's just a perfect uh, description of him. Not what's me. You're right. I'm it. not sure which is better, Humpty Dumpty or the potato. But I I do like Colonel Kurt. But it, he is not turning over new leaf. Everyone knows that the new owner of CNN wants to cut heads, and he wants to go back to actual news, talking about the news. And at the top of the list, even Humpty Dumpty slash the potato knows this. He's there. He's gone. So it's not a surprise that all of a sudden he would uh, get religion, if you can use that word, you know, with the blue shirts. But he's just like... uh, that's why he did that, and I just wanted to put my piece well, in about that. Well, you're right. You're right about that, my friend. And thank you for the call, Chuck. I appreciate it. I got a jet now. Uh, but to the Herschel Walker part, I mean, his opponent is Raphael Warnock, a man who has described himself as being a socialist and being uh, in favor of Marxism. He literally has praised both. So, I mean, is it really even a choice? Of course you support Enjoy Herschel Walker. Hey, thanks, everyone, for great conversation today. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.